Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us for our social media installment of our business building module. This one we're re-recording from, I don't know how long ago, Lisa, we did our other one, but we figured we were due for an update, and we're due for an update with an expert. So Lisa has arranged for Dusty Arab to enlighten us on what we need to know about social media as coaches today. Thanks for being here, Dusty. Of course. Thanks for having me. Can you say a little bit uh, about yeah. yourself so that, so you know, what, how you maybe how you got to love this topic and where we can find you online and whatever else we should know about you before we launch into our subject today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, like they said, my name is Dusty Arab. Um, I am the coach consultant based out of the Reinvention Co. Um, we're an agency that specializes in working on social media for creative entrepreneurs. Um, uh, my day job, I'm the VP of Marketing at a cannabis company based in Portland. And uh, what's been really interesting to me over the past year um, operating in both the coaching space and the cannabis space is how many brands, like among other things, like end up feeling or looking the same. Um, and more than that even, how much the same principles apply regardless of the industry you're in. So that's definitely something I wanted to bring today is that the same principles that other um, much larger companies are using to make their social media feeds shine is absolutely something that the coaching industry has access to as well. Well, so let's, let's talk about, I mean, just sort of that, because I think we, we've said all along, I mean, Jeanette and I have been coaching for so long that it feels like we were coaching before the internet, which is not quite true, but it feels like <laughs> that, right? And I mean, it's, it felt to me like when, when social media marketing and web marketing emerged, it leveled the playing field in terms of what was possible for solopreneurs and entrepreneurs and small businesses because we all have sort of the same magic available at our fingertips. And even more so now because of like all of the tools that are available for being able to do things much more efficiently and less expensive and just much more accessible. I mean, so... I think your point is really valid, and elaborate on that a little bit. Like, how is it that a one-person show, a coach, can leverage some of the same magic and tools, and and really leverage some of the same tools to get the same chunk of business that a really, really big business would use online? Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, the first thing is remembering that it is just you. So, keeping it simple is incredibly important. Um, and keeping it simple usually means, like, in order to do that, you need to do some upfront work, um, making sure that your branding all looks the same, using the same colors and fonts. And usually picking one or two filters is about the maximum I recommend for most brands. Um, something a lot of my clients in particular, so the women I work with tend to be really huge thinkers. Like, they have these grand plans. And when it comes to, like, getting it out into the world, there's a lot of perfectionist tendencies that start to come up for a lot of these people, in particular around image and around social media. So step one, we've got to keep things simple. Um, the second piece of that is that in order to 
not look the same as everybody else. You can't be going to the same watering holes as everybody else, whether that is for photos or those quote images that coaches are so notoriously bad about sharing. <laughs> um, we don't want to be the same as everybody else. And that does require, um, you know, just a, just a little bit more effort. You don't have to put in a ton of money into professional photography. Does it help? Yes, absolutely. Does it make you look more professional? Yes, you should definitely get a photo shoot done as soon as you can in your business. But as far as day-to-day -day posting, it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, and I feel like that's really important to be able to create that uh, a sense of authenticity that, you know, you are a person. You're not just this perfect coach with this perfect life. That's not true for any of us, and we don't want to be trapped in the middle of that. So, you know, just learning how to take basic iPhone photos. Um, one resource that I recommend a lot of people to is Rosemary Watson Productions. She used to be a stock photographer, but now what she really does is um, teaches people how to create social media feeds that they're really proud of and that really represent who they are and what their business does. So she's got a little free course about um, how to take fantastic iPhone photography, including your own stock photos. It's quick and easy. It'll take you like an hour to get through the whole thing. Um, as far as other things, um, the big guys are using a lot of the same tools um, for scheduling and content creation that everybody else is. So for my recommended ones, um, so the, well, I guess first we're going to preface this with uh, follow and follow is stupid. It's going to get your account, account banned and it's just stressing you out. Like there's no reason to engage in the follow and follow game. It is a massive, massive waste of your time. Uh, what I do recommend, however, is using um, a bot to help grow your account authentically using likes, not automatically posting a comment every five minutes. Um, but it goes through and just likes other people's posts based on um, a couple of different inputs that you give it. So that is a great way to start authentically growing your following in a way that is a little bit more hands-off and doesn't feel gross. Um, another tool that I use with all of my clients is Planoli. So Planoli, Plan, it doesn't matter which one you use, it's a scheduler. So big secret to social media success, guys, you shouldn't be on there every day. You should be present, and there should be an image going up every single day, but you should not be there every day. Um, come back and engage with your comments and such. But like, realistically, like, even a big brand doesn't need to be on social 100% of the time um, because none of, none of your people are. So with that, doing batch content. Create all of your content once, put it in Planoli, schedule a post for every single day, make sure you don't post something insensitive uh, by accident. Um, so, you know, track it in that regard. But it's just, a, it's a much easier to front load this kind of content and plan it all out at the same time. So when you know, if you know you're launching something in six weeks, well, hell, schedule it all in. Like, go and schedule those posts and then create the rest of your content around it. Content creation isn't like some, like, it doesn't have to feel like, oh, God, what am I going to do today? What am I going to post about today? Uh, I don't want to get out of my sweats. We all have those days. We all don't want, like, I mean, it's not a, it's not a full hair and makeup day over here uh, at the Dusty House, let me tell you. <laughs> um, but that doesn't mean that I don't have content up and ready to go. So there, there are a lot of different ways that you can run your social media feed the exact same way that I'm running, like, the 10 company feeds that I'm working on right now. Lisa, that's something you've practiced before, right? Uh, loading up content in advance to have it scheduled? Um, yes, absolutely. Um, for a long time. 
And I, I actually fell out of love with Meet Edgar, not because I didn't love the concept of it, but because I ended up not loving the tool. So I actually pulled up Planoli while you were talking about it. I think there's, there is a lot of freedom in that. And there's freedom for me because I have a tendency to be really hot and cold with everything I do, right? So if I'm on my social media, like I'm on it and I'm there and I'm really, but if I, if, you know, there are times where I'm not feeling it at all. I have a tendency, I have it in me to let a social media feed just completely die for days or weeks at a time. So pre-scheduling content has been a very, very effective tool for me in my past. It's just not one I'm using right now because, like I said, I fell out of love with one particular tool. I think, Dusty, though, you said something. So can I ask a specific question about when you were talking about taking selfies and, you know, taking your own stock photos and things like that, like what do you feel is an appropriate mix of what some people might consider personal content or inspirational content, educational content, and promotional content? Because I think sometimes coaches particularly, maybe everybody, but coaches really struggle with that. In fact, we just had a conversation about this a couple of days ago, but I think some coaches are really personal heavy, like is it possible to do too much personal related content? We know it's possible to do too much promotional content. How does, how does a person find that balance? Um, I mean, for promotional content, a good rule is not more than one in five. Like realistically, you're doing a better job if it's more like one in 10. What you should be doing though, um, don't, you know, it doesn't have to be promotional content, but uh, asking for engagement. Like, Tag a friend if this, or leave a comment, or asking, asking a question, some sort of a call to action. Because the reality is, with the social media feed, just like any other piece of content marketing, the whole idea is that you're trying to get people to respond in some way, whether that's a like or a click or a share. Um, as far as, I mean, I think, I think we've all overshared at one point or another. I mean, you know, social media is, you know, Especially, I feel like if you're a little bit older, it can feel unintuitive um, with how much you should be sharing, like who's really listening, who cares about this stuff, what is the thing that's going to make it matter. Um, and I mean, what's, what's proven true for me is that the more authentically engaged I am, um, the more personal stories I tell, the more open I am, the more money I'm making 100% of the time. However, that is not how you have to run your business if you don't want to. Um, and I think that that is something that's really, you know, it's a really important line to draw. Some people want to be, I mean, I feel like most coaches want to be kind of the face of their business. Uh, but like if you're holding back, you know, it's one thing to not want to talk about like whatever big trauma is going on in your life that you're so actively working through. But like when you're holding back, people can tell. Um, I think it's the, the same way people can snip out a phony. Like if something's not in alignment, um, it's going to hurt your following. You know why? Because everyone knows. Everyone can tell. There's something going on there, whether or not you're actively talking about it or not. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I mean, I think Jeanette and I have talked about this quite a bit, that transparency and authenticity have, have actually been profitable in our businesses. Our willingness to, to be seen to tell the truth, to use our experiences as an opportunity to talk about what we believe or what we teach or what we, with the tools that we use in our practices. 
So I, I would absolutely agree with that in terms of, and I mean, it sounds schmarmy to say profitability of transparency, but there is some profitability in that kind of transparency and that sort of showing up. And I, mean, I think it's something that you're particularly good at, Jeanette. I mean, people really feel like they know you personally just by following your Facebook feed. Because, yes, and, this, and the reason we do this is for connection. In our business, without connection, I think it's a pretty big handicap for doing good business. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, and in order to create like the kind of content that really does let people connect with it, whether it is a you know something that's really personal for you or not, I think it has a lot more to do with the way that you talk about the topic. Um, like with with inspirational posts, or I mean, educational posts are one thing. I think there is a way to do those really, really right, and there are a lot of accounts getting it really, really right right now. Um, the uh, her she's called. Uh, the holistic psychologist on Instagram and she creates these simple infographics and simple word pictures that discuss the way that she's reframing so much of the psychology work that she was just not comfortable with. Um, she doesn't like the idea of uh, conditions being called disorders. Um, she was like, you don't have a disorder, you're a human. And she finds different ways of reframing that. Um, but the way that she's showing up is so unique and it's so unique to the platform. And I think coaches have an opportunity here too, because when I think, honestly, this is so bad, but when I think of most coach social media accounts, what I think is the white and hot pink curly Q, uh, Mary Kay kind of barfed all over this um, inspirational post that everybody else has seen a million times. It's nothing new and it's been done. And that's not what we want. Like you, if you're there to inspire people, then you have to be authentic. Like the, you, the copy that goes with posts like that can't be trite. You know, you can talk about your personal relationship to that quote, or you can talk about uh, a recent client experience um, that really made this point, like, you know, that's what drove it home for you. So there, there's so much to dig into that, that idea of connecting with people on social media, because you're right, it is, it's why people are showing up to interact with you. And we talk a little bit about the, like the follow and follow strategies. Because, I mean, I told you the reason I reached out to you for this call was because you posted about that and it caught my eye, like what you had said about mm -hmm. how that's ridiculous. But I think the reason there, there's such a, there's such a like red-hot, fiery push to really build these large numbers, right? Like, you, the more followers, the more friends, the more whatever you've got, depending on the network, the more important or credible you might feel. But when you're implementing strategies like that that don't actually create any connection, those strategies are actually really expensive because, first of all, you're wasting time on something that's not going to yield results, typically. I mean, th those kinds of strategies don't build that connection that we're talking about, and therefore the numbers actually turn out to be really meaningless in a lot of cases. I mean, measuring followers as a metric for success can be a really dysfunctional metric. No, you're right. It is a dysfunctional metric. I mean, the reality is, is like if you are growing, if you're trying to grow a big following, there's only one reason to do that, and that's a book deal. Um, 
And if you're not actively trying to build up to a book deal, then really what that ends up looking like is it's just petty. It's just petty. You're building a platform that anybody who knows anything about social media is going to look at and they're going to know exactly what you did. Like, to be honest, like, and agents know. Agents know. Agents are trained to look for this stuff. They'll know if you bought followers. They'll know if you tried these things like where you're, trying to, where you're trying to prove something that's, first of all, not true and is clearly only attached to your ego. Like, what, are, what benefit are you ever going to get from that, really? And, I mean, and it sounds harsh, but, like, that's the reality of it. Like, you, the, the building up relationships with people, like, yes, you can do that at scale, but not without putting in fucking work. Like, you have to do the work. You have to show up for people. You have to help them solve their problems. If you are not doing that, you do not deserve the follow, frankly. Um, and it's just, it's just, yeah. No one wants to see your card, your house of cards built on lies. Oh, and I'm going to reiterate exactly what you just said. I'm going to repeat it because it's a conclusion that I came to a long time ago. The numbers, somebody, if you want a traditional book deal, if you're talking to a traditional publisher or agent. Somebody's going to ask you about your follow numbers and your list numbers and all of that, and it's going to put you on the spot and make you feel like your numbers are too small, unless your numbers are already huge. But that will come up with a publisher in a traditional book publishing deal. I also want to highlight what you said, that going out and faking it to make yourself feel better about answering those questions, traditional publishers who know what they're doing can spot that anyway. Like they, they totally understand how to cheat the system and they know what it, what it means. So, yeah, I mean, organic growth is, is the only growth that really matters in that particular, in all cases, probably. Mm-hmm. Yep. And as for other ways to build up your social media following, like there, there are just, so there's so many different tactics you can take. Obviously, direct people from your website, interact with other people's followings who you think are similar to yours, um, who would benefit from your content, and that doesn't mean go and try to poach on people's pages. It means go and contribute and act like a person um, who is trying to be helpful. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that's, that's one way that we can do that. Realistically, the best thing you can do for your social media following is get off social media. Like, realistically, have your feed automated. Have it there. Show up when you need to engage. But realistically, you're going to be much better off long-term if you're getting out in front of other audiences. And usually a social media post isn't enough content for it to warrant them to come back and follow you unless it was just an incredible piece of content. And sometimes you can get that with infographics. Um, So getting off off social media PR. (laughs) What is the role of social media in a coach's business, in building her practice and getting clients? I mean, I was thinking it's not, since this call is about social media, it's not appropriate for us to discuss how essential it is or not. But that, what you just shared, Dusty, made me wonder if, if, first of all, if social media really is required, and second, if so, what platforms should coaches be focusing on? Um, I do think it's required. Uh, every coaching client that I have ever gotten, I have gotten off of Facebook or Instagram. Um, and only recently has that focus switched to Instagram. And it took me about a year and a half, realistically, of, it, of just like 
using the platform and getting used to it. And then finally moving and using it for more of a business focus. Like I have traditionally my Facebook profile, because even though it's a personal profile, like I'm talking about the things I care about in my business. So I do think it is important to show up in those spaces, but I think people just spend way, way too much time there. You're way off, you're way better off spending some time on a guest post and getting it on HuffPo than you are, you know, doing what you're doing on Instagram and like, stalking people and getting jealous and getting and making and making it weird because that's that's not what you're there for you're there to authentically connect with people let them see behind the scenes give them more data about you so that they know and it may not be until years down the road that's when they know when they hire you well thank you well and i can see that it has worked for you right because you and i have never talked before but before I even reached out to you, and I think I said this to you when I, when I pitched being able to have you on this call, right? I know we have some things in common, actually a list of things in common. I know that <laughs> we are geographically relatively close. I know that we both have some contacts into the cannabis industry. I know that your politics, and I want to ask you about that, but your politics and my politics are, and we are aligned, you know, in, in a lot of those areas. I know that you are an expert in social media. I mean, there's a lot of things that I know about you only from following you on Facebook, from, you know, reading some of your posts and actually seeing some of your engagement on other people's posts. So that kind of sort of what I would call multidimensional visibility has really been effective in your world. And I can see how you're doing things that I don't do well. So I will say that. But what I, what I want to ask, about, and I'm asking, not asking for a friend, I'm asking for Lisa, but I think this applies maybe in like deliberate creation world, sort of law of attraction, kind of personal development sort of spaces particularly, is how much should someone share about personal beliefs, which in my case would often be political beliefs, um, but it could be like anything. Should we keep that kind of stuff off of our social media feeds? or not? Because I think there's some pressure to really just like show up, I don't know, authentically, but at the same time, like never bring anybody down. It, the balance of that is going to be really individual, I suspect, but I want to get your opinion on that. Oh, I have very strong opinions about this. Um, <laughs> so back in uh, 2017, um, early, is it early 2017, I lost almost my entire client base by coming forward and being a Democratic supporter during that campaign. And I made it really clear that anybody who was remotely supporting Donald Trump was not a friend of mine. Um, I have zero regrets about making that choice. Uh, my career has been moved more by my beliefs than anything else that I have ever done, including my cannabis position. I started with a company that was completely unethical, and I quit six weeks into it after I found out um, what that company was a part of. Uh, and I was, like, I was jobless for four months after that. Like, it was not a period where I could afford to be jobless. And it seemed like, it seemed like the whole world was crashing down at first, like in both instances. It was like, oh, my God, I spent so much time and energy building these things up. And then it turned out that I was partnering with people who were actively trying to hurt me and the people I love by implementing the policies they think are okay because they're scared of 
what it means to take care of the people around them. And that's not acceptable to me. And I have made it abundantly clear uh, where I stand on those issues. And now everyone I'm working with feels the same way, it turns out. Like I've wor I only work with women now, like across the board. I just, it's, you know, it's not that a man couldn't hire me, but he'd have to pay me twice as much. Um, I am a huge proponent of being outspoken about these things because they affect people. They affect every single person in your life, whether you think so or not. And that is the reality of it. I am not here for the patriarchy. I am not here for any of it. And frankly, if you are, I, I will draw a line in the sand. Because the thing is, is when someone steps over that line, they're on my side for life. Because they know fundamentally, we have the same value system. And that is the most powerful connection you can make with someone. Well, I will say this, that I, it has served me well to be, uh, to share the stuff that I'm passionate about in my life that is not work-related, um, it, it has not been a detriment to my business. I'd say the opposite. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I will echo what you just said, because out of, the, out of this group, our group, I'm clearly the most politically vocal. I mean, there's no question about that. And I have lost followers over that. And I have lost I, I have probably lost, in fact, I know. I mean, I, I can name names, like clients that I've lost who were uncomfortable with some of my views. And I am, like, totally okay with that because my willingness to be visible helps my, my people see me. So for every mm -hmm. person that I lose by saying something that might be confronting or confrontational or whatever – that makes me even more visible to the people that I'm really going to dig working with. And what matters mm -hmm. to me most about my work is that I'm having fun doing it. That's what makes my practice sustainable. Um, so, and I can see how, you know, with you, Jeanette, your animal welfare work, I mean, that might not be something that is always, you know, <laughs> coach. If you got a problem with animal welfare, specific, like... <laughs> Right? I lose friends every day. Every kitten video I post, I lose another friend. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> yeah. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think that clarity of, clarity of message, I mean, and the word authenticity is so coachy, it kind of makes me cringe, but it really is authentic. Like, it, it lets your people find you, and you don't want to be visible to all the people. I don't want to coach all the people. I mean, even if all I right. could coach all the people, I don't want to spend time with all the people. I only want mm -hmm. to give my precious time to some of the people. And those people need to know who I am so, that, so they can see me and find me and locate me. Yep, 100% agree. There's a lot of alignment in that um, that authenticity and, Lisa, I would say for you, vulnerability, because I'd agree it's not that controversial to talk about rescuing a cat from the shelter. But, uh, but yeah, when it comes to political, uh, so many other subjects can be much more polarizing. And I think that's all the, there's all the more opportunity there for us to connect with our people when we're willing to do it without fear. With passion, of course, where alignment is. Yeah. So, 
Dusty, if you were a coach just starting out, and I mean, I think a lot of coaches sort of roll in like this. Like they have some social media accounts set up, and maybe they've sort of toyed with them, and they've probably got like a personal Facebook page, and I don't know. They, they, it, they're not like social media virgins. They're not starting from scratch because at this point most people aren't. But now they're looking at it from the framework of their business. What would you say the first, first steps out of the gate? What should they do? What should they be paying attention to? I know you talked about like consistent branding and things like that, but what, what would the advice for the newbies be? if you were talking Mm. to somebody who was just sort of looking at it from a business perspective? Focus on telling your story. Like, especially if you're starting with your initial existing, um, you know, friend base that you're turning into an audience, um, the most important thing that you can be doing there, um, actually, I'm going to use myself as an example for this um, because something really incredible happened today. Um, So when I started working with the company I work for now, Um, I started out just in the CBD department. And with the CBD, it was so interesting because it had had such a personal effect on my life. Um, So it was something that I felt really passionately about. And I wanted to make it clear that, first of all, things were changing. Like, step one, make sure your people know things are changing. It doesn't mean it's going to be all coach content all the time because it shouldn't be, especially on your personal profiles. Makes you seem fake. but tell the story. Be like, hey, you know what? I have to tell you guys, I am so excited about this. I just got hired by the CBD company. This stuff has like, it's changed my life in this way, this way, and this way. And hey, I'm probably going to talk about it a lot. So like, if that's not your jam, bye. Let them know. Give them, give them an opportunity to leave. Because what's going to happen is that the people who really care about you and what you're doing, whether or not they're going to be coaching clients, these are the people you're identifying as your fans. They're going to come and say, oh my God, congratulations. That's so exciting. I know this other person who's a life coach or something else. You know, it, give, first of all, give them the opportunity to engage with you on that level. Um, step two, like keep people posted on your wins. Like especially in the beginning when you're getting started, it feels like you're like a little bitty fish in a big old pond and it can feel like, you know, like you're just like shouting into the ether sometimes. And you don't want that. Be real with people. Like the more, the more like real life stuff that you're sharing on your feed, like, and it can be related to coaching. I saw somebody who did a Game of Thrones recap on my feed and managed to end of it, end up in a coaching reference. Like, it was stunning. <laughs> so it doesn't have to be, like, it can be fun. Social media is fun. We're connecting with people. Like, we have opportunities to do that. Um, and then I think number three, mm, standardize your stuff early. Like, don't it, your top nine doesn't have to be perfectly curated or anything like that, but it looks really, really unprofessional if you're like, if your colors are always different because you use five different filters that don't look anything like each other. Like pick one. You're, it, it, you can always change it later, but make the conscious decision to change it later. Like otherwise, it just ends up looking like. I know, it, looks like, it looks like my mom when she's trying to take food photos. I love my mom dearly. She's a wonderful chef. Her food photos are getting better. They're getting better. But, like, it's, you can tell that my mom's in her 50s and then I'm not. Like, and, like, and you're, if you, wanna, you want it to look professional and you want to look like you're keeping up with it and stuff, like, that's, that's kind of part of the deal for social, so, at least for Instagram. 
I like it. Jeanette, do you have any questions on that before we give Dusty a chance to do final thoughts here? Now let's hear some final thoughts. Great. Um, if you guys want to learn more about social media, I do have some templates and stuff like this uh, available for free on my website at thereinvention.co. Um, I also blog semi-regularly up there, and you can always find me on Instagram at Dusty Arab. Um, yeah, as far as final thoughts, I mean, I guess just like show, show up and like show, show everybody your best self. I mean, that's what we're all here for, especially coaches. There, too many coaches get trapped in that like, you know, and, and feeling like they need to portray this perfect lifestyle in order to be someone's coach. And that's not why you got into coaching. You got into coaching because of how it changed your life. And being able to maintain authentic enthusiasm about that, that's, that's really the key to a full client docket. I think authentic enthusiasm, I like that. Authentic enthusiasm over perfectionism is probably mm. huge. And I think the one thing, you, I mean, you've said a lot of things, actually. I'm looking at my social media feeds and how I'm guilty of some of the things that you talked about and doing some of it right, doing some of it right. But I think the thing that you said that really stands out for me is tell your story. Tell your story. Tell your story. So. Mm -hmm. Thank you so, so, so much for being here. I really, really appreciate your time. Thank, Thank, you, Thank you so much, ladies. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you in the next module. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.